Welcome to the 9642 Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is The Fool. Alright everybody, we are today, at least for the start, so far, plan to go ahead with football. Yeah. And there's just so much happening. We had originally planned to talk other topics, but if this goes on for ages, we might. this might be a two-parter. <laughs> Possibly, this yes. Bit potentially yeah. edited out. We'll see how it goes. That's how it goes. But a lot has happened in the world of football. Obviously, our bread and butter is the Premier League, though we did do a bit of, a, I think, a pretty interesting roundup of the other European leagues last time we spoke. Yeah. Um, there's been some Champions League matches, and there's been, and there are some Champions League matches to come. So, let without any further ado, let's get right into it. Politics aside. Um, what are the uh, Chelsea fixtures that are coming up? Because this is the uncertain period, and while Chelsea have performed admirably, things are going to get interesting for them. Yes. I mean, we've got a somewhat, somewhat easy-ish mm. set. We've got Nor- Norwich tomorrow, which is one of our catch-up games. Hopefully... Touchwood that goes well and Norwich doesn't suddenly find some form and we can do about as well as we did against Burnley in the weekend. Uh, then we've got Newcastle, which may be a bit more challenging than what it's might have been a few yeah, a while back, but Newcastle's yeah. finding their form. There's Lille. You have a two yep. goal cushion there. Yeah, going to Lille, so that's um a little worrisome, and hopefully they Leo doesn't pull a Real Madrid on us. And then Borough for the FA Cup. Then Borough the FA Cup. We're back to Brentford and Southampton, Leeds, and then West Ham at the end, towards the end of April. So, I mean, Brentford, Southampton, Leeds is not a... And with um, Norwich and Newcastle, isn't a bad run through March and the first half of April. To, to make sure that we keep in touch with what's happening at the top. But, yeah. Then we have, at the end, we've got West Ham and Manchester United. Sort of our, really between us and the end of the season, that's the two. Yeah. Quote-unquote, tough games. We've got Wolves in there as well, who are playing well, but... Manchester United are not finishing fourth. I think Arsenal, remarkably, have come back up, and I think they are going to secure that fourth spot. They've got three games on United and yeah. West Ham and they're ahead of both those teams. They have um, both they have both They've also got a game on Spurs and they've they're three points ahead of them. Yeah. So they've both got points and games in hand. They got the bird in the bush and the bird in hand. Yeah. Um so. there is an off chance they might catch up to Chelsea, depending on how things mm. go. Um They've only got one game on us, so it's not so bad, but yeah. Yeah, depending on how Chelsea uh, play over the next few weeks. Um, but the I think fourth looks very likely for them. My cousin, who's a hardcore Arsenal fan, was telling me he thought Chelsea might be in trouble and United and Arsenal will go up, but I told him, hell no. United are not finishing fourth. There's absolutely no chance. Um based on what I've seen in the squad. I think Arsenal, on Sunday, April the 24th, they play uh, United. Um, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, they play Liverpool. They play Leicester coming up. So Arsenal do have a bunch of tough fixtures yeah. that are coming up for them. But they're a team in form. So that's the flip side of that, which makes it difficult for me to bet against them. I would say that their fixture list sort of shows that why they won't catch Chelsea unless because Chelsea does something horrible or the whole ownership thing really just unsettles a squad or something like that. But I feel the squad, the differences in what matches are there. And Arsenal still say got difficult ones. They've got Liverpool there. They've got a United one. They've got a West Ham game. Like there's a few in there that are going to be difficult. Um, Newcastle at up at Newcastle as opposed to the Chelsea game where they're coming down to us. So 
I did say that I thought Manchester United might not win a Premier League match in March. I do think they will get the po- get the result against Atletico and maybe get through to the next round. But even if they don't, I think Manchester United's goal is to try and win the Champions League this season or the Europa League. That is what they're focused on. Yeah. Because they are not getting promoted. At the, sorry, they're not getting relegated and they're not finishing fourth. That's a... That ship has sailed for them. They've still got to play Chelsea. Um, They've got to play Spurs, obviously, their next game in a few days. They've got to play Leicester, and they've got to play um, Arsenal. Um, They've got a Liverpool game as well. Teams who are who are basically scrapping for to avoid relegation: Everton, Brentford, um, Brighton. Yeah. Maybe even Crystal Palace. Who knows at that point? Of the season, so, oh maybe yeah, I would suspect Crystal Palace shouldn't be, but yeah, I maybe. don't think Crystal Palace will be either. But yeah, at that point, um, I could very easily see Manchester United only get maybe three or four points in April. I don't think they're getting any points. Um, other than even the Watford game, they got one point. Um, which That's I technically think, paper uh, anyway. That was February, yeah. So March, I don't think they're getting any points. Um, and they have games in hand on people, so people can catch up to them. Yeah. Like, in the Premier League, um, yeah, Everton, they should maybe be able to beat. They should be able to beat Norwich and Leicester. The I don't know if they can beat Arsenal. Um, like, April's a really important month to see how our Manchester United, like, you know, yeah. Uh, like just so that they can get into some sort of form for Europe. Um, but those are not pressure games for them anymore. They're not in any of the cups. Like I said, they only need to focus on Europe. So whether it's winning the Europa League or winning the Champions League, that's all they. That's kind of like what their season has done. Um, which is yeah. better than West Ham or Spurs, who don't even have Europe to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah, Manchester United look very like they. They might not even finish fifth because Spurs technically are only two games behind and two points behind. And if they beat if they beat Manchester United tomorrow, they will have they will be two points behind. Uh, they'll be a point ahead and two points in uh, two games in hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. West Ham does have to play Tottenham as well, so that at least from the West Ham point of view, they've got. Mess I don't know there. if West Ham can finish in the top four. I don't think so. I don't think West Ham will finish fifth, but I think they could get. They're going to compete for a European spot. But yeah, I think Spurs want to be fifth. I think Arsenal, for the first time in many years, are going to finish above Spurs in the table. Yeah, yeah. As I say, the benefit of West Ham is they do play all the contenders. So they may may get something out of it because they've got a few six-point games there. But they're playing West Ham, they're playing Arsenal, they're playing us, they're playing City. I mean, City and us, is six points isn't quite right, but, you know, it's still a... Both yeah. of those... Well, West Ham versus City is at, at home for West Ham, so... City have shown some vulnerability. So potentially points there for West Ham to have that could push them up a bit higher, but it does require Arsenal to drop their games in hand and for Tottenham yeah. as well to drop their hand, games in hand there's 10 more games to go for United and City mm. Liverpool have 11 more games to go I still think City are going to beat Liverpool yeah to finish at the top of the table that is like obviously they lost to Liverpool um, yeah and they had some bad games but I think they're back in form yeah, I do think if United get City next round, if they do manage to make the next round of the Champions League, that's going to be a very interesting game. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting game. City are already through to the next round, so if yeah. you know, if uh, United get relegated to the Europas, then yeah, it's game over. I but, think for yeah. the top of the Top of the the Premiership, yeah. I mean, Liverpool's it's 
possibly going to come down to the City Liverpool game on the 11th of April. With Liverpool got you know, Arsenal to worry about, they got you guys to worry about, though that's been postponed. Mm. Well, they do have the. You know, got to place Everton, which, yeah, Everton's not doing too well, but it is Liverpool Everton. Like, that match is always spicy. Um, they do yeah. have Tottenham as well. So there's a few in there that things, and there's a few games to be um, slotted in there. But I feel that yeah, there's still Liverpool goes to goes to the Emirates, plays City. That could be the game that decides it because if Liverpool do win their game in hand, that's only a three point differential. So that's that's the game they need. And they're currently slightly ahead on goal difference on City. Mm-hmm. So it could be a, a run-in for who scores the most goals. That could definitely be it. I mean, if Manchester City win all their games apart from that Liverpool game and Liverpool beat them and we have the same result at Liverpool, it will come down to goal difference, won't it? Or will City yeah. have... No. That's a pointer. If they all win all their games except... Um, City only lose to Liverpool, then yeah, it should come down to equal points and it will be goal differential that will decide it. And I say at the moment it's one point. So Liverpool's on 51, plus 51, and City's on plus 50. So Liverpool have a lot more goals, well, slightly more goals scored. They've yeah. scored 71 goals, so they compared to City's 68. So it's possible that um, City would have to couldn't just equal that. I would think that Liverpool probably keep the goal fours ahead, which I'm pretty sure is the next um, differentiator after mm. goal difference. And after that, it's head-to-head. Yeah, after that, it's head-to-head. Which Liverpool are ahead? Yeah. I think, so, yeah. Liverpool, it, sort of from that, those tiebreakers are, are a bit ahead. But I could, the goal difference one would be the big one. If the head-to-head result had been draws, both of them uh, had both games had been draws. The apparent um, way they decided is uh, a playoff game. Oh, I was expecting a coin toss, which would have been hilarious, and you know, sparking a lot of um, rule change debates, much like the boundary countback. But um, a, a playoff game seems like someone's actually thought ahead, or the situation yeah, came up, and they're like, about this "Because yeah. Man- Liverpool in 1988, Liverpool lost the um, uh, champ- uh, lost out on winning the hundredth anniversary of the football league uh, by one goal because they had the same goal difference as Arsenal." Mm. Going into the final game of the season, Arsenal needed to win. Um, and if they did win, they would have more goals uh, uh, than Liverpool or a higher goal difference because, you know, that, depending on how many goals they got, that's yeah. how it would work out and they would catch up on points. And yeah, that's what happened. Liverpool, I think, lost 2-1 in that game. So right. Arsenal, those two goals made them one goal ahead in goal difference. So if Arsenal had won 1-0, there would have been a playoff. All right. Because, you know, the goal difference was the same. They just won by one extra goal scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been... Um... So they made a rule about, okay, so this nearly happened. What do we do if this had been, you know, if Arsenal had gone this, what the situation have been? Because the head-to-head... Res- so they decided there's head-to-head and then there's a playoff if the head-to-head is, like, can't separate the two teams. Yeah. And I don't think head-to-head takes away goals into away goals or anything like that into consideration. It's no, no, it's just straight, straight. Yeah. What was the if you just have just a straight table with the only the two of the well only the people that are equal involved? What does the table look like? Yeah. The um, American owners in the Premiership. Uh, it's not. I don't think it's a coincidence that they all own clubs that own their stadiums. Or, no. And a lot of them had very recently refurbished and built new stadiums when they went in and bought them. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, other than Anfield, where they're going to need to do major work to bring it up, uh, get it up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Everton don't have American owners, but they're going to get them soon. The, for, the owners of the San Francisco 49ers are buying the club as right now, as far okay. as I know. And so even more money. Um, but the part of that condition is the current owners have taken uh i've got everything in place for everton to build their new ground you know and it's going to be ready i believe it's going to be ready for they're going to play a season in anfield oh yeah after 120 years yeah going back to anfield that would be quite an interesting um season yeah so it's already broken ground since last year so it's being yeah. built as we speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So twenty-four, twenty-five season, and I don't believe Goodison Park is being demolished. This is the important thing, and I believe Everton are going to do something with Goodison Park after after the new stadium is built. Yeah, after the new stadium is built. All right, that could be interesting as well. Apparently, uh, it says that it is uh, Everton said that Goodison Park would convert, be converted to high quality affordable housing a multi-purpose health centre community led retail and leisure spaces and a youth enterprise zone I so they're going to sell it off but they're not going to so they own it so that that's going to yeah. be used to finance a bottle uh, it seems like a bulk of, they're not getting rid of it till they can move in from the looks of it yeah yeah yeah, so apparently a bunch of reasons about UNESCO World Heritage Sites and stuff were the issue. But yeah, they're going to get a new 50k stadium. I don't know what Liverpool's stadium situation is. Um, but there's always been, like for a while, there was a plan that Everton and Liverpool would share a stadium. Right. In the docks. Same, similar region to where Everton are building it now. But in the end, they decided not to do that. Because it'd be interesting if the if England hosts a Euros again, or if they host the World Cup in 2030 or 2034, mm-hmm. as it currently stands, with that, like you know, Everton would have a stadium that's only 10 years old at that point. Yeah, I think they would be hosting the Liverpool section. Yeah, yeah. If that happens, like a, they would have the bigger stadium and the newer and better stadium. Quote unquote. Yeah. I would imagine they would throw a game to Anfield because it's Anfield. Uh, the way the World Cup works, according to how the World Cup works, um, only one city is allowed to have two host stadiums. Oh, okay. So, for example, in the '98 World Cup in France, the new Stade de France and the you know the classic Parc des Princes where mm. PSG play were both both hosted games. But obviously, yeah. Stade de France hosted the final and stuff because it was a purpose-made, brand-new stadium. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I imagine in London, as it stands, it would be Wembley and the um, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because they're the newest and it's a 60K capacity stadium. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, like, super impressive. At this stage, I don't even know if Manchester United, Old Trafford would host the Manchester leg or if you'd, it would go to Manchester City. Yeah. Given the issues, uh, Old Trafford. But I assume if there's going to be World Cup money, Old Trafford will invest money into yeah, yeah, building yeah. the stadium and getting getting that gig because they obviously will out. You know, they're the most, uh, they're the biggest uh, domestic stadium outside of Wembley in the country with when it comes to um, seats. Yeah. And. Um, and can be expanded to being the largest in the country if they wanted to. And also, like I think, the Saudis buying Newcastle. That's also a club with a big stadium that's yeah. decently been upgraded. Um, I think they're also planning to spend money to get it even more upgraded and modernized. Interestingly, Newcastle's nearest rival, Sunderland, have a have the youngest owner. Oh really? He's only about twenty-seven years old or something right, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, he's from a super rich French family, but not surprising that this is like that's the sort of thing I think like who you were saying the richest uh, man in the UK. Yeah, so Jim Ratcliffe. That's the sort of situation where I expect him to be to go into you know buying a club like Sunderland, you know, a fallen giant who can be brought back in because they have all the assets and like catchment area and everything. 
like a club like maybe Middlesbrough or um, QPR. Yeah. Yeah. So QPR do have rich owners. Yeah, I suppose. Don't know about that one, but yeah, I would say you're right. Some sort of League One Championship club, say Fallen Giant, is a would be a classic one for him, and then being able to to build it back up. Like London is that crowded area, right? And Brentford has shown that you don't need to have a much money to go in, but it's you have to be very clever with how you spend money in that area. Yeah. Uh, I think the Brentford model, like they're upfront about it to their players. Like, you know, if you get a good offer from a bigger club, we'll absolutely let you go. Like we're, you know, that's one of our draws. We're not one of those clubs that try to hold on to you, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, at the right time, like, you know, at the end of the season, that's the sort of thing we'll negotiate with the club. We don't, you know, we want you to be, we want to secure your move in a way that allows us to use the funds properly and everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. That everybody gets the best out of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few clubs like that in the UK doing that. So even if Chelsea were to have a few shaky years under a new ownership, assuming that did happen, whether it's Chelsea Pitch Owners Association that are the owners or whether it's like a new billionaire in town owning it, it could be a hard thing to move back, get back into the top four. Because we know next season, it looks like Newcastle are not going to be relegated. They are going to be a club that's going to try and push for at least a top 10 finish. A a Euro, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the owners are going to demand a top 4 finish right now. No, no. Because Newcastle are a good 7 points above Burnley with the same number of games. Yeah, Brentford are only six points above Burnley, uh, with two more games played, so they have to be careful. Leeds are in genuine trouble, I think. Um, yes. Game ahead of Burnley, um, with only two points ahead. Everton are only a point ahead, but they do have a game on hand with yeah. against. And with Burnley. Leeds, they've lost their last five, so that's not a good yeah. sign. Norwich and Watford have basically dropped down. I may have given Norwich the kiss of death, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Over there. Um, but yeah, it would be. I would feel a bit sad if Brentford did get relegated. They looked like a very interesting club that were doing cool things. Um, and I would love to see that experiment continue in the Premier League to see how long it's sustainable. Um, like clubs like Brentford, Southampton, Crystal Palace... Yeah, yeah, how yeah. long and um, Brighton to a degree how long they can continue doing what they're doing um, yeah like Newcastle if they don't get relegated are going to be competing for at least a top 6 top 7 spot I think yeah on the well they'll have it'll be interesting to see what money they splash around yeah over the, the off season and that's yeah I would say that a top Top half finish is would be minimum considerations, and that the money would be spent trying to ensure that they've got a team that would would be in that position, as you say, and then aiming yeah. at European football qualification of some I'm, sort. Yeah, I'm sure the Saud uh, the Saudi investment fund, totally not Mohammed bin Salman. He's not the owner. Honest. No. Just totally the director not. of the. Saudi just the owner of the Saudi investment fund. Shh. Back. <laughs> he will um, be happy to invest, like, in, really in the stadium and other things, making uh, Newcastle, you know, long term, be able to earn more money as long as they don't threaten relegation and are competing into getting into Europe. He might not even. Uh, for the like the next three to five years, maybe he'd be happy to do that, and then be like, okay, let's we've got a system set up, and we can build a team that can compete for a top four and maybe even the championship. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. Okay, there's Manchester United. Obviously, is always going to be in the conversation. I think Arsenal have a decent group of people now. Um, and with the way the club's finances are set up, I think I wouldn't be surprised if three to four years from now, Arsenal are a club that you go, yeah, they're, compet- 
you know they can compete for a top four side. It also obviously yeah. depends on how much financial backing they get from Kroenke. Um yeah. Liverpool who knows what's going to happen after Klopp. Chelsea who knows what's going to happen after Abramovich. Yeah. Spurs are been Spurs for so long. You. You at this point, you know they're financially viable, so they're always going to be a club that competes for top four. I think, given how much they've invested in a big stadium and all these other things, yeah. to a certain degree, it almost doesn't matter about Spurs as manager, like Chelsea's, if you know what I mean. Like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. the systems are in place for Spurs to at least be Spurs. Yeah. Uh, whether Spurs are a club that would potentially attract a billionaire owner at some point is different kettle of fish yeah i think i mean they are owned by a billionaire currently john lewis um, course, yeah. but but he's a spurs are another club that could also you know, be looked at by like you know, backed by a state yeah level money because you know as it is it's a very viable investment like mm. like I know people in New Zealand would probably cry, but if New Zealand super invested in buying a Premier League football club, the New Zealand Super Fund, yeah, like we'd all be like, yeah, that is actually earning us money. By the way, like this is <laughs> yeah. a good return on investment. <laughs> actually, earning money, exactly. And as you say, it would be actually a decent return on money too. Yeah, yeah. Tottenham, because they they could giga crowds. Yeah, but they don't go silly on spending money. So yeah, it's similar to like if a club, yeah, if something like Norway Sovereign Wealth Fund, the richest sovereign wealth fund on the planet, I believe, mm. it's worth more than two trillion dollars. Wow. Yeah, that's all the oil of Norway. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, where it comes. Yeah, from. it's owned by the Norwegian people. By the, like, you know, it's a, yeah, yeah. and it's one. Uh, and like it's not just oil money; they've actually invested that money really well since yeah. getting oil money. Yeah. Um, yeah, they could buy a football club. Like, they could, or a company that buys a football club, invest in it. Yeah, if football is such a sure, surefire financial winner, why not? But I think maybe a lot of those companies are just gonna look and see what the. If, economic situation in Britain will be like after the coronavirus and yeah. Brexit and the war and all these other yeah. things. There's a few things Once going again, on there. I'm not an expert about politics or economics. I'm just saying that might be why those entities yeah. have not considered buying a, a yeah. British football club yet. Yeah. And I guess even though it's, you say, the last few years especially have sort of shown the viability of that, it's still... I would say traditional thinking would say it's not an investment, but I think fine, yeah. Especially with the Saudi investment fund going in over the next couple of years, it may become a bit more of a thing where actual sovereign or, or countries investment funds start buying sports teams and Premier League football clubs, expecting a return and you know making money out of it. But yeah, as I say. Maybe at the moment there's a little bit of uncertainty. There's still a little bit of um, traditional, I guess, thought process on it where it would be that that's not an, a smart investment. But give it a couple of years and all these things would hopefully um, have been settled down one way or the other and then you may see some even more money being pumped into some of these different clubs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. And it doesn't even, they don't necessarily have to buy a club that's top four getting Champions League money, no, by the way. No, they no. might be happy to own a club like Southampton, Crystal Palace, exactly. for example, Aston Villa. Ones that are making money, uh, getting good turnover. Just yeah, gotta, that's the important bit, right? If you're investing in, you're worried about how, how much you're getting back out of it. So if it's making money, you're getting money back, and then you can always sell later on. Yeah. And if the values, yeah. you know the value's going up, then you're making money all the way through. Like there's a reason why the premier the championship playoff final is the richest game in sports. Yeah. Because it like basically earns you eighty million uh, eighty million dollars right then and there. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's to be fair, not just Premier League football. Like once rules around owning uh, North American sports teams get looked at, uh, what's stopping an oil billionaire from the Middle East or Eastern Europe or yeah, anywhere else in the world for that matter, uh, or any other type of billionaire for that matter, buying like an NFL team or a yeah. NBA team? Uh, to be fair, that's already happened in the NBA. Um, yeah. The New Jersey Nets are owned by a Russian billionaire. <laughs> Was a Ukrainian billionaire? <laughs> New Jersey Nets. There's the Brooklyn Nets now. God, I'm aging myself with my con- <laughs> so much in this <laughs> uh, in this podcast so far. Oh, right, they uh, a Russian oligarch owned the Brooklyn Nets, and then uh, oh, he formerly he bought. They were still the New Jersey Nets when he bought them, and then they he moved them to Brooklyn. But they're currently owned by owners of Alibaba, one of ah. the yes, yes. founders of Alibaba. Though he's Canadian and Taiwanese. Um, yeah, like that's going to happen too. Like sports ownership. This is the thing in the economy. When it comes to economies, things like earning money from sports and entertainment. And generating all this money, people complain about like the wealth and things. But you know, from an economic perspective, it's the best. It's sustainable. We're never running out of people. You know, like we've yeah, yeah. got it there. Like we're in a world of like so, and they all they we need attention. You know, we need uh, we need the our attention used up. Like you know, time our free time to do stuff. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. there. That's a viable. That's that's an that's a sustainable resource that keeps regenerating, as opposed to like most commodities-based business where you're selling actual stuff or making stuff. You are it's coming from a resource that's eventually finite. Yeah, some some it's point. finite. Yeah, sure. Solar energy might be the exception, but even the stuff to make batteries and things for solar energy is finite. Yeah, you know. Um, Though there may be ways to do it, recycle it, and do it things like I'm not a tech expert, um, but yeah, you know, like yeah, but an economy based entirely on services and entertainment, like you know, that's sustainable. We're not taking, we're not polluting. Yeah, technic in theory, not polluting, not producing waste, not producing like um, from the product itself. Sure, people exist who consume it might be making waste and polluting, but yeah. You know, they do that anyway. It's not like they do it more when they are <laughs> watching sport or you know watching movies. Yeah. yeah. So while I understand people's concerns about like you know sports, there being too much money in sports and it's not pure to like the old days, blah blah. blah. I fully understand that, mm. but like I'd rather the money be spent here than like and other industries like arms and yeah yeah like uh you know commer- like big pharmaceuticals like uh keeping patent you know keeping me- life saving medication patented for longer than it needs to be things like this you know yeah 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 uh as far as a cap uh, ca- uh, you know uh the capitalism that the way it works in sports is kind of benign <laughs> <laughs> it actually has a lot of pluses, like very few negatives other than oh, it's not like before. Yeah. <laughs> not pure in anymore. some it's ways. Not... There are definitely other negatives, but you know, that's yeah. like the main negative. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, is that it's more about the the purity and the, the traditional ways of playing sport and it's best the team that had the best ability and now it's like the team that has the the best financials to buy those players, but it's still in the end the team with the best athletic ability. It's just that those players can actually, you know, be yeah. rewarded for such ability and play together and be awesome and get paid lots for it. It's just a thing that's going to grow. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the world football market evolves. You know, uh, as like Africa and Asia, yeah, you know, 
get more people. And obviously, Asia's population has peaked, kind of, not almost, for this century. But Africa is going to be where most of the world's population growth is coming from. If mm. all the models for pop growth can be believed and are accurate, um, yeah. I think currently Africa has a population of 1.5 billion people. Um, give or take. And the thing is, at the end of the century, it's expected to be 4 billion. All right, yeah. That's a decent... So also, basically, a decent chunk of the um, uh, of the world's um, economic growth is also coming from Africa for that reason. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, football, they're already making an African Super League... What's that gonna do? Uh, do we have a future like you know, even twenty years from now, where that's uh, basically maybe the second biggest league after the Premier League? Yeah, maybe. Because at the moment, the Premier League's bigger than the Champions League in many ways. Yeah, yeah. The Champions League spots are coveted because it's extra broadcast money for being in the Champions League for the clubs. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, a club that's uh, in the Champions League and threatening relegation will focus on staying in the Premier League rather than try to win the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. And and that is the right way to do it, by the way. Yes, exactly. Your league position is your regular, you know, it's your bread and butter. Can't, exactly. uh, you can't, like, leave that out. I would still love a, a championship team to be playing in the Champions League, which would be hilarious. Um, I mean, we may have that one day. Who knows? Leicester almost pulled it off. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> uh, me. Um, but I think we may have had a second division, cl- a club that be relegated uh, in a season. Um, they got uh, into the Champions League, like they won a Europa League and then got into a Champions League, but they also got relegated. Yeah. I no, know I Ipswich so. got relegated into the Championship, but got were in the Europa League because they won the Fair Play trophy. All right, yes, yes. Um, and imagine if they had won the... Back then, winning the UEFA Cup did not get you a Champions League spot, but yeah, might have been plausible. Oh. So, as always, when we speak about football... We end our segment on the Mo Corner. Mo Corner. Last time it expanded, it expanded a bit into Euro Corner. Yes. Uh, we can't promise that won't happen, but it probably won't happen. It probably will. This time. So currently, the club we are following this season, AS Roma, are at six, ahead of six. Lazio by one point, which yeah. I think will please all their fans. Um, equal on points the, with Atalanta. Atla- uh, yeah, they're equal on points with Atalanta, but Atalanta have a game on hand to, with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I've been giving the kiss of death to to a lot of teams this season, and Atalanta was one of them. Yeah. Uh, but the um, Roma got a recent. Uh, uh, in their last game, managed to beat Atalanta uh, 1-0, which uh, pushed them up. They could end up finishing ahead of Atalanta, depending on how the uh, game progresses uh, to to fifth. Uh, Juve are only six points ahead of them at best point, with ten games to go. Um, I think Juve have a relatively difficult set of games coming up like Napoli I think and into uh, uh Napoli are part of that conversation for the top spot right they're on the yeah, same yeah. number of games as AC Milan and and only 3 points behind Inter are a game have a game in hand only 2 points behind um so I do think that top 3 is too still too close to call in my yeah, opinion yeah. I like Inter I think they will win 
Yeah. I think I would not be surprised if any of those three win. Like, that's a. That's I wouldn't a be surprised either. But I think, yeah, their game in hand sort of gives into perhaps the slightly pole position. Though, as we say, Milan does have the, the points sitting there, so. But it is only yeah. the one game, so I think. Yeah, into there. So. No, oh, no. And, and all three of their form is about as equal as each other. Into perhaps slightly worse. They've had two losses in the last five games. Milan's had none, two draws. Napoli's had one loss and two draws. Yeah. Not too much differences there. No, there isn't much difference there. Um, they're all having good seasons, I think. Um, so to look up, to compare Roma to Juve, I think... Uh, just to see how their fixtures align. Um, at the moment, um, Roma are still in the Conference League, and I think potential, like one of the teams that could be one of the favorites to win the Conference League, mm. with Mourinho in charge, who's a cup specialist in many ways. Yeah. Um, they do have a, a game against Udinese, uh, uh, for the uh, uh, in March the 14th, a uh, few days after their Europa Conference League fixture, and then they do have the cross time, the Eternal City uh, derby against Lazio yeah. on the 21st at home. They managed to get the draw against Lazio at Lazio, so they will want to do one better at least, I think, and try and get the points. Other than that, um, none of the teams they have. Uh, the, other than their last two games in April against Napoli and Inter, um, yeah, they don't have any teams that are above them in the table that they're facing. I do think Napoli and Inter will beat Roma. Um, Probably, yeah. They've been in good form, and Roma hasn't shown the ability to beat teams that are better than them, other than Atlanta. Um, yeah, yeah. They've been winning the games we expect them to win. Um, Juve still have a Champions League thing and if they get relegated from the Champions League they will go into the Europa League um, after this uh, they've got a they've got uh, Inter to play and they have Lazio to play yeah. so a couple of teams that are fighting it out for the uh, for those Euro spots uh, for that fourth place in their thing, but they're relatively more benign fixture list, I think, for Juve. Yeah. I want to say. Like, just mm. other than a game against Inter, all of these other games are winnable for them, like a Serie yeah. A games, that is. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, I La- think... even Lazio, like, sure, at that point it might not matter, like, because it's coming yeah. so late in the season. Exactly. That was the thing. It was just those last two games of the season for Juventus, Lazio and then Florentina. And Florentina is still hanging into the conversation about yeah. it. Not really. They've got a game in hand, which sort of helps. That gives them the 46 points if they win that. If they don't win that, then they're definitely out. But that game in hand, if they win it, uh, keeps them just in the conversation about definitely about European um competition and sort of very much on the edge for Champions League spots so I think we can keep them as a potential bit there um, at least in the same terms that Lazio is so saying that Juventus having them the last two sort of I would expect them to win both of those but things but um, like Roma's got Florentina as well as well as Lazio so um, yeah yeah the bits for Roma is that's Probably going to drop them out of the conversation is the Napoli Inter. Yeah, I um, think games. Those, those two games are going to get them out of the Which, competition. Yeah. Juventus doesn't have that. In the same. They got in. Oh, they got Inter, but yeah, it's not. They don't have both of them. You know. Week. And we can't after count week. out Atlanta. To be fair. No, no, Atlanta is still uh, a very strong contender here, and they're. They've got Napoli. They've got Napoli coming up. Um, And to be fair, Atalanta are not going to fear Napoli. They have a philosophy and it's successful. It does work. Um, 
They've had a few injuries, so but the run of games other than Napoli are winnable. I want to say yeah. for that. They do have Milan second to last back on the 16th of May, so that's yeah. They see Milan, true. so that's another one that I'd likely to pick up points on. But I think that's sort of just they could be the spoiler yeah. in that they, game. They could be the spoiler there. Give, and hand Napoli or enter the championship. Yeah. So, you know, looking at that, I would say that Juventus is the, the strong favourite for the fourth spot. And then Atlantia and, and Roma are probably the next, but you know, sorting out the next I two. haven't heard this, but uh, the owners of the Boston Celtics have bought a 55% stake in Atalanta. Oh, so things are going to be interesting for them. They're already a moneyball club. Yeah, well run, profitable, and keep yeah, yeah. you know, and well, scout well, and they have a philosophy yeah, and yeah. a good setup. So, be interesting to see what the uh, what will happen to them. Yeah, the that'll be very interesting. Seasons. Yeah. And the last bit, just in terms of Mourinho's future, looks like the game against Lazio will probably be the one that determines who out of the two of those finishes above the other. They're both have yeah. similar-ish ends to the season in terms of I likelihood think, uh, of the points. So that might be his game of the season. Yeah. And then second season, he's going to win a championship for Roma, right? That's what he does. That's what he does. Right? Right? Yeah. Other it than depends. for United and Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> so it depends. It sort of depends if you count the half season last year as the first season or not. Sure. Yeah. Maybe he'll be top at halfway through next year, and then you know, they just start falling out. He's out by half a season. Maybe Tommy Abraham will be motivated to try and get into an England uh, team for the World Cup this year. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You never know. And he seems to be in uh, good form at the moment. He's a good player, so um, I would imagine that he'd want to, to do something so that could possibly Especially be... Especially uh, like, okay. Sure, Harry Kane has come back into form massively in the last few weeks, but yeah. you know, um, he's not had the best form. Marcus Rashford has not had the best form. Raheem Sterling has not had the best form. Um, yeah. The, I think Saka has is an incredible form at the moment, but people like Calvert Lewin is injured. Um, so there are places up for grabs in that squad. Yeah. Definitely. For strikers. Um, and Mason Greenwood is not playing for England this summer. Like, that's, like, not happening. Yeah. So, you know, there's a bunch of players he doesn't have to worry about. So, currently, he has um, 27 appearances for Roma. Mm-hmm. And scored 13 goals. Nice. So not bad at all. Not a bad... Um... And three assists. Oh, there we go. That, that's pretty good... Um, pretty good return there, really, for him. Yeah. Um, zero subs, so he's all start starting those positions. Those, nice. Yeah, yeah. Those games. So, yeah. He's... Quietly had a really good season in the Serie A. Mm. Serie A is a good defensive league as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he is Roma's current highest goal scorer. So, he's right. going to play a big role in whether or not Uncle Mo gets to keep his job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, 
as I said, I think yeah. that's all we have time for today. Um, hope you all have enjoyed. Um, and keep safe. And yes. we will hear and hopefully a little bit in next time. Chat as well on the Discord. We'll hear from you next time. <laughs>